relationship when the woman out earns what the man earns? Uh, it's going to end in divorce more than likely. So there's a study conducted uh, by American psychologists, and they found that if a woman out earned her husband, it was likely it was 50 percent likely that the marriage would end in divorce. And in fact, this was corroborated by studies done by Finnish data scientists or, or, or um, Finnish um, psychologists as well as Swedish psychologists. And it's yep. So. And uh, let me add some more. Seventy, sorry, eighty percent of those divorces will be initiated by the woman. So, again, like your likelihood of being in a good relationship if the girl out earns you is like nil. Again, it's hypergamy. So w women want men that are superior to them. So, I mean, this is obvious. Interesting, because the Swedish psychologist found that if a woman brought in eighty percent of the total household income, there was a the likelihood of divorce increased by a factor of two. Uh, relative to if a woman brought in, let's say, 20% of the total household income. Wow. So basically, you have to out-earn your girl. And again, guys, equal income is not good either. Because if she feels like she's equal to you, she feels that she's superior to you. You need to have more income than her. You need to be superior to her in terms of earning potential. Okay. So you said... So don't don't all relationships have a fifty percent chance of ending in divorce? Yeah, that's what that's what everyone says, or at least that's that's the uh, the idea out there. Uh, I don't know how well that statistic is stress tested because it, it's I think it's contingent on a lot of factors. So economics is a big one. During periods of depression, people or economic downturn, people typically don't get divorced. They typically stick together because it's very costly. Um, and as well, you know, there's a lot of mediating factors that that um, that allow divorce to happen or make it more right there's a lot of factors that allow divorces to happen such as um girls get cash and prizes if they stay with you and it's funny that economic downturn means that divorce doesn't happen that further reinforces the idea that these girls are just getting married for a meal ticket right they're not getting married for love they're not getting married because they like the guy they're getting married because like the need to and without getting married they literally can't live Hello and welcome to the Helios blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. If you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit the sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Just go there and subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, um, it's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. You can also drop me a donation like Tom M here. Shout out to him. Uh, let's continue. More likely to happen, but economics is a massive factor. Uh, specifically economics as in the wife making more than the husband economics is a massive factor in divorce that's right uh if the guy makes more she divorces him to get child support and alimony if the girl makes more she divorces him because she's hypergamous and wants uh, a man that's superior so <laughs> you're damned if you do damned if you don't and that's why the marriage rate in 2022 is six out of a thousand you heard it here, gentlemen. Six out of a thousand is the marriage rate in 2022. <laughs> so what's the solution there? I don't think there is a solution. I think that people should probably lower their expectations. <laughs> what? Girls lower their standards? No, you want that? There's no way that's gonna happen. No, she's a strong, independent woman. She knows what she's worth. She's not gonna. She's not gonna lower her standards. Ridiculous. And 
in, in terms of, in terms of understanding that, okay, well, this person is the breadwinner and it's probably whether or not it's a man or the woman, that person is the breadwinner. It's just, it's, it's, it's how the situation is. And, and one should probably temper their expectations about that. Okay. That makes sense. Are there tricks that you've heard of that you can do to offset that? So if you are the breadwinner in a family and you're the female, is there something you can do to offset the fact? Cause it must be, it must have something to do with dominance, right? You don't want to be- Michaela's telling on herself here. <laughs> she's the breadwinner in her relationship because she's Michaela Peterson, the strong, independent boss babe, right? Who's, uh, you know, this, the the career woman, the the high earner, the high roller, the daughter of Jordan Peterson. Like, be maybe you don't want to be the dominant person in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, I think it. It's again, it, it probably goes back to roles played in relationships. It's it's not always the case that the man is the breadwinner. It's sometimes the case that the woman is more dominant, and she is she is um, she is the breadwinner. And so it, it probably comes down to being able to, to met out responsibilities on the part of both sexes. And sometimes the man stays home and takes care of children. And sometimes the woman goes out there and, and earns, you know, earns the money. This is um, this egalitarian equalist garbage, right? Like we're talking about why divorces happen. Like don't, don't talk about like uh normalize the idea that men should stay home and take care of the children it's not a common thing and when it happens divorce happens like a high percentage of the time um and i mean it, it's funny like uh they say that the divorce rate is 50% and 80% is initiated by women but it's, uh, being in a position where the girl is the breadwinner practically guarantees that it's a coin flip for your marriage to end right that's what that's what they're saying here. Uh, by the way, it's bothering me that we have the same quotes that we had last episode. So here, let me just go to the Patrice O'Neill quotes, and uh, I'll put a, I'll put a new one here. Uh, here, short and sweet. One second, let me just change it here. You're better than her. Bam. Let me just delete these quotes here. Cool. <laughs> Let's continue. All right. And so it, it probably is contingent on both partners understanding that this is the role that is played. Okay. That makes sense. Or they're just doomed. Or <laughs> they're just doomed. Or they're just doomed, yeah. Um She's told she's telling on herself. She thinks she's doomed. And I mean it's it's not wrong, right? Like uh, it's it's There is a certain level, right, of, of um, okay, let me, let me take a step back. In order to have a good relationship, a man and a woman, what they need is polarity, masculine, feminine polarity. The man is the boss, the girl is the secretary, right? Um, the man makes the decisions, the girl goes with the decisions. The man is the carry, the girl is the support. And if you don't have those roles in your relationship, then it's over, right? Like the girl. So if the girl is out earning the guy significantly, I mean, what more needs to be said? Of course, it's not going to be a good relationship because the the rules of this relationship are just trashed, 
right? The natural masculine-feminine dynamic is ruined. Okay. You've, you've talked about dark gentlemen. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what does that mean? What's a dark gentleman? So a dark gentleman is a term that I've sort of coined to describe the, the perfect man, as it were, or the man that is mo- the most attractive. And the dark gentleman is a combination of a man that is able to provide the three P. So he's able to protect, uh, provide as an you know, economic provision and parentally invest. But at the same time, he does have those dark triad characteristics, which makes him very attractive. So he threads the line between the perfect gentleman and that uh, dark triad personality. So he's so he's uh, basically he's Chad, but who's agreed to commit and somehow still maintains his Chadness, uh, a man that doesn't exist. He's Christian Grey, basically. Uh, yeah, the, that man doesn't exist. You either have Chad or you have Beta Billy. Beta Billy and Chad in the same person doesn't exist. Or if he does, it's such a rare occurrence, it's practically impossible, right? But these are the guys that are in all the romance novels. He's able to combine those two aspects which are held in logical contrast. So I, I, I refer to it as the unity of contradictions. It's actually very similar to uh, when your dad speaks about um, chaos and order. I think he w- the point that Jordan is trying to get across here is that you need a combination of the two. You need some sort of golden mean, as it were, you can't have too much order. You can't have too much chaos because in both situations, you get totalitarianism. Yeah. Um, in 2022, which do women want? Do they want order or do they want chaos? Just think about it, guys. Just think about it. And you tell me which one they want. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So that would be, I feel like the dark triad too. Can you, can you list off what those characteristics are? Absolutely. So the dark triad are three personality traits that are found in individuals. So you have Machiavellianism, which is typically described as sort of manipulation or the ability to manipulate. Uh, the second is narcissism, you know, pretty straightforward. And uh, the third is psychopathy. So callousness, lying, thrill seeking. So it's said by psychologists that these three traits are quite negative. So individuals that possess these traits are dark, right? They're very, um, negative individuals. So, again, the girls are going for Chad, which are the dark triad guys, right? The the guys who don't give a damn about them, the guys who are manipulative, the guys who only care about themselves. Um, and, you know, they, they have this classic thing where they're like, oh, you didn't commit to me? You must be an N-word. You must be a narcissist. Like, no, just because the guy didn't commit doesn't make him a narcissist. But girls, it is demonstrably proven uh, or, you know, supported by empirical research, that women are attracted to dark triad traits. Um, because these traits in times of need are very useful. They are, um, you know, helpful to the survival of the individual and also to to the girl's uh, children. Um, all right, let's... Um, read this article by Rolo Tomasi here. Balancing bedroom fun pluralism. Homecoming. Uh, I had an interesting occasion to do a bit of social observation this weekend. I drove Bebe Tomasi to a first high school homecoming dance and got a glimpse of the ghost of Hypergamy's future. 
As you might guess from growing up in the Tomasi household, Bebe is an exceptionally attractive girl, uh, and this is coming from a red pill advocate as well as a proud father. However, for all her innocent charm and Disney Channel-inspired understanding of high school social dynamics, she was more than a bit shocked by the dress and behavior of the girls at her first real dance. As I waited in the pickup line of cars at the end of the night, I saw more short club skirts on teenage girls than I see at most liquor promo events I attend. I wouldn't go so far as to say they looked like ladies of the night, my daughter's analysis, but I'll admit to being somewhat taken aback by how closely these 15, 16, 17-year-old girls resembled the early to mid-20s women I see in my line of work. Uh, At a club, at a tasting, or at a promotional event, I'll admit I enjoy the eye candy. I love a hard outfit like any other guy. But something just didn't sit right with me seeing these girls dress for a high school dance. Maybe I'm showing my age, but it did give me some food for thought. Later, Bebe told me she didn't dance all that much because she was surprised by how the gym looked more like a rave dance floor than a homecoming dance. She'd gone with four of her girlfriends, but none felt comfortable grinding their bums on some guys uh, who they'd have to see at school the following Monday. Bebe had been a practice dancer since she was seven. They weren't even dancing, she explained on the way home. It was more like, um, you know, doing the act to music I didn't even know. Varsity Blues I kind of had time to take mental notes of all this when I was waiting in the car line. On So Suave, we have a high school forum, which I regrettably haven't had time to participate in lately. And when I do take the time to give advice, the dynamic is drastically different for the young men there than the mid-20s, 30s, mature men I generally counsel. The reason for this dynamic shift is due to the fact that in women's pluralistic bedroom fund strategies, the long-term side of that pluralism is practically non-existent. It's very difficult for a teenage boy to display higher value beyond physical prowess and conveying a confident, dominant attitude. Beyond maybe owning a car or truck, a teenage guy's SMV is based almost entirely upon his physical presence and or performance. Teenage girls only really care about how cute or hard a teenage guy is. It's a game of raw, Darwinistic tingles for adolescent girls, because even if they had some rudimentary appreciation for a guy's intrinsic value, all of their security needs are more or less provided for by their parents. From the bedroom fun pluralism side, girls don't develop an appreciation or attraction of men fulfilling that long-term security imperative until well into their mid to late 20s. Throughout high school and through college, via their fathers or the state's provisioning, the security side of this bedroom fun pluralism is satisfied to varying degrees. So there you go. All right, back to the video. Yeah, okay. And so... But for some reason, they're attractive to women. Yeah, exactly that. So these dark, but attractive. <laughs> yeah, evil, so these, but attractive. Yeah, very literally very attractive. So these these individuals. That's are- why the most popular show on Netflix for women, one of the most, is Lucifer. Literal, like, devil. <laughs> like, what more needs to be said? He's an ultimate dark triad man. He's very attractive. The guy that's capable of literally. <coughs> <coughs> literally burning a man alive in front of their eyes that's that's the kind of power that women want to be able to wield through the man of course it's important to keep in mind that they're very low in neuroticism they're very high in openness they're very low in conscientiousness they're very high in extroversion Mm. and those characteristics on their own are pretty attractive so a narcissist is you know smiles speaks nicely wears very nice clothes you know, that in and of itself is pretty attractive to women, right? A, a person that is Machiavellian 
is very disagreeable. And what the statistics indicate is that an individual that is highly disagreeable, if if they are below the the, the mean level of disagreeability, they typically make 18.3% more um, in, in terms of yearly yearly income. And that translates to about $9,722 per year. So guys that are disagreeable make more money. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, because guys like that get get things done. And look at Michaela's reaction when she sees this. Look, look. She's like, ooh, I didn't know that evil man made more money. You know, now that she knows, maybe she'll look for an evil man too. Wow. How much of that is behind the, the wage gap? There is no wage gap, Michaela. No wage gap. There is a choice gap, Michaela. Choice gap means that girls tend to choose careers that make less money. They tend to choose situations where they make less money, such as taking more time off, such as picking, you know, a Starbucks barista instead of working in finance or as a programmer. They choose different jobs that make less money and they work less hours. And even when they do work the same jobs, they tend to take more time off and they tend to not... Uh, work as much hours because they're favoring their family, they're favoring their children, they're favoring other things over that. There is no pay gap. It is illegal. There is a choice gap. Michaela. A lot. So, uh, uh, you know, I think agreeableness has to do quite a bit with why some women don't advance as far as they do in their in their fields, in their respect. <sighs> Okay, sure. Anything to take responsibility off girls. It's not their fault that they're earning less money. They're just less, they're just more agreeable. They're nicer, and so they don't fight for their salary more. Well, again, if you want to work in a field with men, you're going to have to compete with men on men's level. Like, that's how it goes. And men are less agreeable. They're more willing to take risks for money because men don't, are not valued for anything. So, like, unless they provide something to the world. So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It feels what men are on average more disagreeable than women, so they're more likely to fight for a wage increase. They're more than likely to fight for um, a promotion. And so, these this specific factor explains why men typically, you know, out earn women. On top of the fact that. You know, there's a whole number of factors, including differences in in, work, in job type, occupation, in in, um, in industry, in schooling, the hours worked, the level of danger of the job itself. There you go. It's one factor among many, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't. I've always been like fairly. Have you ever done my dad's personality test? Just out of curiosity. I have done a personality test, actually. Yes, but not you have. Not quite, yeah, not quite your dad's. Which one did you do? I don't remember, but I do have it saved on my phone. I have the results saved somewhere. Just from working for my dad and trying to run a business and everything, I've had to kind of force myself into uncomfortable positions. And then you get used to it, right? Asking for more as a woman. Mm. But I think a trick for doing that is the worst thing that can happen. Like, Just to give you my experience of like trying to ask for more. Solipsism. I'm going to use my experience and generalize it to the population. What I work will work for you because what I work worked. No, that isn't necessarily true. That's a logical fallacy. You can't use your personal experience and generalize it to the population. But anyway, 
And again, her giving advice to the guy that's obviously more experienced than her, that is masculine and condescending. Guys, we can't we can't just gloss over this. Or money or something. Is like I get these like feelings of guilt and of like, do I deserve it? Am I doing enough? Like this kind of thing. Even if kind of logically I can say, okay, well, it this makes sense. But it's like this guilt horror feeling for asking for more. Whereas if I talk to like disagreeable men, I'm like they're okay with asking for more, even if they don't necessarily think they deserve it. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to see what happens. And they're like, well, the worst thing that could happen is they say no. Yes. So if you think about it that way, it's like, what's going to happen if you ask for a raise, they're going to say no, like that's not that big a deal, but the feeling inside is like angst and horror. Yes. I think as a female, maybe at least me sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of women do have that, that specific experience. I think a lot of men are more comfortable asking for a raise, uh, and you're right. It, it, it's all it's all a matter of opportunity and just taking risks. I think. Right. In general, men take more risks than women, obviously, because of testosterone. The difference in testosterone. So, um, men have more, so men take more risk. Uh, in general, that's that's how that goes. A lot of the scientific literature would indicate that women are more risk averse than men. True. Men are typically the ones that you know. We talk about job type occupation. They're typically the ones that do very dangerous jobs, right? Your 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 dad will speak about um, you know people that work on oil rigs out in mm-hmm. uh, you know various parts of the world, specifically in Alberta, and that's not that's not a very safe job, right? It's quite dangerous. Very dangerous. And it, yeah. it takes it takes a lot of cojones to do a job like that. It, it, you have to be quite um, interested in risk or or very uh, risk oriented, as it were. Oh yeah, that's for sure. I've got cousins who work on oil rigs. They're like they're crazy. People lose arms on those things. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've got some more questions from things you've written. Ooh. Okay. Let's talk about this one. This is fun. Um, Why are smart women less likely to get married? Oh, I can answer this one. Smart women are less likely to get married because women are hypergamous. So a smart girl is more likely to have a university degree. Because women are hypergamous, they want a man who's superior to them. So once they have a university degree, uh, or, you know, even even higher than that, a master's or a PhD, whatever, they want a man that has even more education than them, even more salary than them, even a higher career than them. And so what happens is they literally price themselves out of the market. They are looking for such a small percentage of men and that those men just by design have much more options than they do. And because they have much more options, um, those men, I mean, the, those men are much less likely to commit to them specifically. And so these girls that are smarter are also less likely to get married. People uh, above a certain IQ. That's a good question. So there was a study. I'll, I'll add a bit of context here. So there's a study that was conducted by four universities. Oh, there's also more. Uh, I forgot to mention this. Okay, if we're talking about IQ specifically. So if a girl has a high IQ, she's hypergamous still. So she wants a guy to have an even higher IQ than her. And so she's going to want a guy who's in a very, very tiny percentage of the population, right? And, but in addition, the guy has to have a high IQ and be Chad. He has got to be very highly physically attractive. He's got to have a better career than her, et cetera, et cetera. So, so just think about how unlikely it is to find such a man. And, and the likelihood that, and then after, of finding that man and then having that man commit to you to be in, ex- in an exclusive monogamous relationship, it's slim to none. That's why. He's here in the UK. And it was on um, marriage and the role played by IQ or how IQ affects uh, marriage. And what the study found was that every 16-point increase in a man's IQ 
increases his odds of marriage or his likelihood of marriage by 35%. In contrast, every 16-point increase in a woman's IQ decreases her odds of marriage by 40%. So you can see here that there's a staggering imbalance, right? So the smarter the girl, the less likely she is to get married. But again, that has to do with hypergamy. Actually, both have to do with hypergamy. If a man is very highly intelligent, he's going to be sought after, right? Because he's able to make money, he's able to generate wealth, and more, he's able to strategically succeed in the world. Like, these are very attractive traits, right? And they're attractive, like, they can be attractive in multiple ways. Like, a man who's highly intelligent, he can get laid... So he can have multiple options, so he can be attractive to women, and he can also get get good money. So it's like very, very positive. And 40%? 40%, a whopping 40% per a 16-point increase. Has there, do you know if there have ever been any studies on, like, do men say you get somebody with a 135 IQ as a male, do we know the average IQ they're marrying? Like they can't be towards a hundred, right? Wouldn't you just get honestly? Bored? Wouldn't there be a communication issue if Probably there's a not. two standard deviation difference in IQ? No. Yeah, more than likely. More than likely. I don't know of any studies that would indicate that, but I think going back to your original question as to why women have an issue, particularly women with a high, high IQ, have an issue getting married, is that they're looking for a person on their same IQ level. There's no, they're looking for a person higher, not on the same level. But no, there actually wouldn't be a communication issue. Here's the thing. How can you tell that a person is a genius? They're good at everything, which means they're good at communicating, which means they'd be good at communicating with a girl even if she's average. In fact, they could communicate with an average girl at her level and she wouldn't even know that the guy was a super genius. Because that's how you can tell that a guy is a genius. He's able to talk to the people at their level. It was Einstein himself. He said this. He said, if you can't explain something simply, you don't know it well enough. Okay, anyway, um, let's go on to the Reddit story here. GF won't stop complaining. So again, this is from Relationship Advice. My GF, 22 female, and I, 24 male, have been together for a little over two years now, and it's been a pretty good relationship. My problem right now is she won't stop complaining. I get home and she's complaining about her lunch. I get up in the morning and she's complaining about her sleep. We have supper and she finds something to complain about then. I understand if something serious is going on and she wants to express some concern, but she's constantly nagging and complaining about things for hours a day. I lost my mother this week and it's been very hard on me. My girlfriend was good for the first couple of days, but now she's right back to complaining nearly every hour. I've told her it bothers me and asked her to stop or at least cut down on the amount of time she spends complaining. This usually lasts a day or two, then it's right back to her old behavior. How on earth do I make it stop? Uh, I know. Run. All right, top comment. This is who she is. Do you want to listen to complaining for the rest of your life? Exactly. Uh, next, how can you make it stop? You can't. If she couldn't properly respect your grieving period, if she can't go a week without this incessant behavior, then it's probably a personality trait and not a fixable issue. See ya. All right, guys, we're going to end the video there. Again, if you're new to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. If you'd like to support me, I do have a Patreon with exclusive content. Just go to patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Subscribe to the Nebula tier. Again, it's patreon.com slash the Helios blog. And uh, you can also drop a donation uh, like Tom M here. Shout outs to him. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I do Really appreciate it, especially if you took the time out of your day to listen to the end of the video. You guys are wonderful, and I will see you next time.